What up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror movie podcast, taking you on a ride. Thanks for riding with us. I'm AJ. And I'm Janae. And we are finally at the end of the month. And I just know <laughs> you are more than excited to be the fuck done with this thing. Yeah, it was a chore getting through these movies. Aww. I mean, was it though? So yes. You, so like, <laughs> you don't you don't like clowns just a little bit? No. No, God. <laughs> if you guys haven't caught on to what we're talking about already, our March theme is March of the Clown. <laughs> Every movie this month has involved clowns. If you're new here, hi! Welcome to the park. We're a weekly horror movie podcast where I introduce my friends to horror movies. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. This month, she has not... Uh, Stitches? Stitches, I gave it a... was it 60? Hmm. I mean, for you, that's pretty low, but I mean, for a clown <laughs> movie... You know, it is what it is. But I don't like clowns. <laughs> <laughs> every single movie this month was about a clown. So taking a ride on our last movie of the month, we are riding it, chapter one. And that means we're introducing next month's theme. But of course, you're not getting that to the end of the show. So you gotta stick around to the end. However, It's Chapter 1 is currently streaming on HBO Max. HBO Max is smacking everybody. <laughs> it, okay, you know what? Let me not say that. Let me not say that because I know some of y'all was like, but what about Tubi? Wasn't you just saying that like a month ago? And yes, because Tubi is still smacking ass. But HBO Max is smacking ass because if you're like, and this is no shade, no shade. If you're like the standard horror fan that just knows the mainstreams, like, you know, you know, Freddy, Chucky Ghostface, Michael, Jason, majority of all of those are on HBO Max. So that's why this is on there as well. I mean, well, I mean, it's licensing and shit too. But all of like the A popular horror shit, all the common shit is on HBO Max. Like you'll go to HBO Max and you're just like, damn, damn, damn. Like, it's like that. Whereas Tubi be having like the top tier horror, but it also be having the deep cuts as well. Like y'all know what I mean. But HBO, they just like no mainstream. Open your mouth. Mainstream classics. Take it. Take it. First of all, that water bottle was open a little bit. I need to. <laughs> anyway, let's go right ahead and get into. Park recommendations. For today's park recommendations, I I split it pretty evenly down the half. They're both horror movies this time, but the first one's cliche. The second one, survivors that know, I just want you to tell me if you think I'm reaching or not. So let's start with the first. Obviously, the first one was going to be it, the mini series from 1990. I mean, how can you not? You know what I'm saying? If you see one, you got to see the other. It's just, and then that way you get to appreciate both of them. Cause I know a lot of people are always like, well, which one do you prefer? 1990 or 2017? And it's only one right answer. And you know what? I'm just like, eh, but is it though? Because I like them for two different reasons. Like number one is fucking Tim Curry. 
However, when you watch this version, you're like, damn. They actually did something with this. But we'll talk about that later. My second movie is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. No, it's not Carrie. Um, you were probably thinking, like, how the fuck did that fit up in here? How did you manage to get Carrie in here? Even though I feel like I could have made it work. It's actually A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. This iteration of Pennywise Don't Make Y'all Think of Freddy. I don't know if it's just me, but upon my rewatch of watching this movie, I was getting nightmare vibes. I don't know if I'm reaching, but a lot of things, and I'm not saying it's like copy and I don't like it. I, I was actually down with it. And my point is, okay, so Nightmare came out in 1984. The book came out in 1986. And then the miniseries came out in 1990. So I'm just wondering <laughs> if you have any park recommendations that fit today's ride. Let us know on our Twitter. I will never forget seeing this movie in the theaters. When it first came out that they were making this movie, I didn't know how to feel because obviously I wasn't born when the miniseries came out. But as a black child, we knew who it was and we just knew it wasn't it. Nope. It, am I lying? Why All do you think my, I've never seen the movie? <laughs> it was not, you knew not to play. It was, if it was anything, you knew you weren't supposed to play about Sugar Man and you was not supposed to play about it. Them was the two. I don't know why we were getting traumatized with those two, but those was the two I knew not to play with. Yep, never seen it. <laughs> and I mean, when I found out this new one was coming out, I was already kind of, because mm, I'm like, okay, they're doing another remake, Jesus. But they was like, no, this ain't no remake, boo. This is a retelling. And I felt that way, even though I had no intentions of watching it. Like, I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> and I, okay, like, you know how I am with remakes, guys. You can go back. We had a whole theme on this spring on the remake last April. So last year, go back and check that out. But I don't have a problem with a reboot, remake, retelling, requel, whatever the fuck. Just as long as you're actually doing something with it and something that's like worth it. Don't waste my time. Don't, 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 don't do it. That rock though. Like, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, just, you know, so when this one came out, all the prom the promo was going nuts. So as we spoke in the first episode of March of the Clowns, 2016, Clown hysteria. Clowns was popping up every fucking where. It was a wrap. This was way before we even knew we were getting this movie. You know? So now we know that Pennywise is fucking on the loose and the shit is getting real because that's when the numbers of clown sightings really start fucking popping up because it died down a little bit and then it came right back up. But what made it even more was the marketing for this movie they were putting red balloons in sewer drains and i seen one of these shits i remember that putting red balloons mm -mm. out of the sewer drains just in random spots like you would just see like maybe one balloon maybe two i loved it i'm like oh they are going far with this i'm a little mad because once these balloon pops it's gonna be a little bad for the environment but this is great marketing i love it <laughs> i hate it oh wow 
I mean, great marketing, but I don't be with the fuck shit. <laughs> I mean, at least they weren't like having clowns. You remember those videos, those like prank videos that used to have people like running out and chasing people? Yeah. Like they would like smash a watermelon, but they would think it's like a head. Oh, shit. Yeah. I remember those the ones videos getting tense. Like, um, they have little small people, little people dressed up as uh, like Chucky and stuff running after people. And they have like the nun, scary nun one running after people like in the middle of the street. Like you walking down the steps to the subway station and then all of a sudden you see them and they just run the other way. Well, this was my first watch experience. Um, it was okay. <laughs> the movie was long to be very long. Yeah, I haven't seen the original. I haven't seen the series. This is the only one that I've seen. Right. In the first one, how it went, it was a two night event. They showed the first half with the kids, the first night, and then they showed the second half with the adults. And actually, I don't even, I don't know if it was the next day or if it was like a week apart. I don't even think it was a week apart. I don't remember. I wasn't fucking there. Like I said, I wasn't born yet, but this is what happened, okay? And the halves were long. So just imagine you get a bigger budget, you could do all this stuff. Hell yeah, you, and they don't waste a moment of this two hours and 14 minutes besides the credits. Everything is just boom, 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 boom. And that's what I need. That's exactly what I need. Let's talk about the people behind this. This one is directed by Andy Muschietti, who also did chapter two, Mama, and is working on The Flash. That's coming soon. Obviously, I can't believe we didn't even say this. Wow, where the fuck are we? This is like our fifth Stephen King movie or adaptation because we've done Carrie mm -hmm. we've done The Mist mm -hmm. we've done Pet Cemetery. yeah also maybe this is just four but yeah we all know that this is based off of the novel by Stephen King it written by Chase Palmer, Carrie Fukunaga Gary Doberman Produced by Seth Graham Smith, David Katzenberg, Roy Lee, Dan Lian, and Barbara Muschietti. Of course, that's Andy's sister. And I think it is so cute that they got to work together, her as a producer and him as a director. Because it's like, it's like having a bestie on set. Like literally somebody that knows how you move, knows how you want things. They probably advocated for each other a lot. And they probably argued a lot because I could see that happening. His brother and sister, and of course she's managing the budget and he wants all of like the creative and all of that, 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 that. But I mean, at the end of the day, they pulled it together and I love that for them. So we have Bill Skarsgård as It, AKA Pennywise the Dancing Clown. So, okay. I don't know if you know this dude by name. Do you know Will Poulter? Oh yeah. So they wanted Will Poulter to play Pennywise. So originally when the first movie came about, there was a whole different director. They wanted him as Pennywise, right? After a very long story we'll get into later, he ended up having scheduling conflict. But I'm just like, I, I don't know if I can see him as it, because one thing is really about the makeup but also it's more than the makeup. You know what I mean? You still gotta like bring that role to life. 
Yeah. And I've seen Will Poulter in a lot of things, but I don't know if I could see him as Pennywise, though. I mean, all I know is I wanted him in a live remake of Toy Story because he could have played see it. <laughs> I'm serious. That's and like at this point, it's way too late for all that shit. Like that time has passed. But he really could have been see it in a Toy Story. It was perfect casting. Like the casting was right there. Anyway. <laughs> it's also been said that a few other people was up for the role, but the only few that I know to mention are Hugo Weaving and Tilda Swinton. And I'm just like, Tilda, I don't know, hun. I don't know about that one either. I just I just think Bill Skarsgård, I just think that's as good as that was gonna get. I don't know, because I don't know who else we was gonna put in this role, but I'm just glad we got Bill. And I'm not doubting Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton is amazing, but I just cannot see her in this. Like we were talking about Stitches last week with Mark Hamill yeah. and whoever the hell else was supposed to play Stitches. I'm just, this, this would have, Daniel Radcliffe as the main character? No, no. This would have <laughs> been a totally different movie. <laughs> Moving forward, we have Jaden Martell as Bill Denborough, who's in The Lodge and Knives Out. Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh. This was pretty much her first thing. Like she had been in a few other things prior to this, but they were literally minor roles. But after this role, her shit blew up. She played Gretel and Gretel and Hansel. And she was one of the lead characters in I'm Not Okay With This, which also has another actor from this movie as one of the main characters as well. But I was like, girl, I know that's right. Cause you definitely held it down as Miss Beverly Marsh. We have Finn Wolfhard as Richie Tozer. Obviously, everybody knows Finn from Stranger Things, which I cannot wait for season four. Ghostbusters, The Turning, and just hella other itch, like Stranger Things. And I know this little boy was in stuff before that, but Stranger Things just turned his career out. And I absolutely love that for him. And he has a band, it's super cute. Love that for him. Chosen Jacobs as Mike Hanlon. Jeremy Ray Taylor as Ben Hanscom. First of all, he was, I think this is the little boy from Alvin and the Chipmunks, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in Alvin and the Chipmunks because I know that little face, but uh, it was neither here nor there. That's just so stinking cute. Wyatt Olaf as Stanley Uris, who was also in I'm Not Okay With This with Sophia Lillis. Jack Dylan Grazer as Eddie Kasprak. Nicholas Hamilton as Henry Bowers. Jackson Robert Scott as Georgie, little cute self. Aww. And one more person that are actually two more people I want to mention Owen Teague as Patrick Hotsetter and Stephen Bogart as Alvin Marsh, who was making his second appearance on the podcast. His first one, I know I'm a stump John Nay, so I'm not going to even ask her, but <laughs> his first appearance, he was in Slacks as the district manager. When I say the only person that I recognized in this entire movie was Georgie, and that's because he's in Lock and Key. I didn't even know he was in that. Georgie's career is popping, too, because he's actually the main character in this movie called The Prodigy. I don't think a lot of people liked it. I fucking loved it because I like creepy kids in horror. He's, he's basically the main character in Lock and Key. I love that for him. You better get that money, little baby. You're probably like big as hell now, but... You know, three years and child years is like 10 years. <laughs> this movie 
had been basically in development since like 2009. This is like Sorority Row, Jennifer's Body. I could not imagine this movie coming out then. Me either. And I mean, I'm different people were involved and I'm about to get into that in a second. And it's not like we really know much of their works, but from this info, it seems like it was gonna be a really different movie. Back in 2009, when this whole thing was announced to come about, they were gonna have David Kajanich adapt the novel. So, you know, at the time it was gonna be a single film, meaning that the kids and the adults will have to be in one film. I know you haven't even looked at IT Chapter 2, but that movie is long. It's longer than two hours? Long. It's a Marvel movie. I'm lying. It ain't that long. But it's damn near up there with a Marvel movie. Actually, let me go look at the runtime right now. <laughs> that shit's long. I remember I was in the theater. Like, it's not over yet. <sighs> oh, bitch. It is Marvel long. <laughs> That's two hours um, and 49 minutes. That's too much. This one is two hours and 14 minutes. And like I said, like, it's very, very boom, 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 boom. I can't say that much for the second one. But like I said, this is neither here or there. We're not here to talk about either. Way. We're going to focus on one. Point is, they was going to try to put all of this in one story. I do not know how you were going to do that. But. Wait, I'm confused. So one movie is about the kids and one movie is about the parents? Yes. Okay. So let's rewind. Yes. It comes back every 27 years. Got it. <laughs> it's a cycle. This nigga just does not stop. So in the book, it focuses on the children first and then as they grow up? So I don't know for sure. I'm going to fact check myself. <laughs> It's 1138 pages. That's not bad. And it covers all of that. If you get the audiobook version, it's like 40 hours. I'd rather read. I'd probably read faster than they talk. I mean, you could put it on 1.5 speed if you wanted to. But yeah, so all of that literally covers both stories. So when they made the miniseries, that's why the first night was about the kid and then the next night was the adults. So what they did here was the same concept, just in movie form. Got it. So with the one film thing at the time, David wasn't really too worried about it because David actually, and I know you haven't seen this movie, but if any of the survivors, if you're familiar with the invasion from 2007, this was going to be the same team that was going to do the new It movie at the time. So they was like, you know, if we can get all that story in that movie, we can figure this out and we can make it work. So that's just, you know, how they were going to do that. And it was also announced that this movie had to have an R rating. So they was like, bet, that's all you got to say. Cool. By 2010, the film was going through a few rewrites up until about 2012. So this is when Carrie Fukunaga came on the scene for the first batch of rewrites only to, you know, shortly become announced as the director and co-writer i don't know what happened with david i don't know i'm not about to make up something for y'all they was just like all right new director new script let's do these boom so then as things will happen by 2014 new line cinema aka the house that freddie built picked it up and was like okay y'all not about to do this all in one film 
we about that bag. So y'all about to make this two films. Here's the money. Make it work. So by 2015, <laughs> like I said, they had Will Poulter. They had a few people. Like, you're going to be this person. You're going to be this person. You're going to be this person. By 2015, Kerry Fukunaga dropped out because he was like, okay, you know what? I'm trying to do this, and the studio not going to let me be great, so fuck y'all. But then he ended up still writing it, though. What? So by 2016, it was announced that Andy Muschietti was in talks to direct, but New Line Cinema needed another writer to fit the full vision of what was going on. So that's when they started scouting for a team, and we have what we have now. And they was like, okay, bet. We coming out September 8, 2017. Y'all need to get it together because this is like next year. They hadn't even started shooting yet. And this was supposed to come out next year. What the fuck? That's ridiculous. Principal photography began Principal photography began in Toronto of June 27, 2016 and ended around September 21st, 2016. So you know, basically like over in Canada is cheaper to shoot over there yeah. i get that but if you survivors go down below i actually did find a link to the summer of it which is the behind the scenes documentary so you see everything that's going on and i really do appreciate because you know stephen king when you do anything stephen king it's in maine so you better figure out how to make the shit look like maine and i want to say the name of the town that they use is port hope that they use to transform it into dairy and what i love is that andy muschietti and his sister, I believe, they went to uh, Bangor, Maine and just hung out for a few days to like see what it was like so they could actually get the inspiration and see everything. I love when people do that. If I didn't know any better, I mean, I've never been to Maine, but if I didn't know any better, I mean, this looked like Maine to me. <laughs> like, it fit the bill to me. It just reminded me of another TV show or movie that I had watched, like A Small Town. And I can't think of the name of the TV show. I just like the way everything came together. The film set numerous box office records and grossed over $701 million world, worldwide, becoming the fifth highest grossing R-rated film of all time and the highest grossing horror film of all time. I will never forget, people were going fucking nuts for weeks over this damn movie. Because I mean, think about it. For us, this is like something that Okay, for me, I wasn't born yet. But for a lot of people, this thing was scaring the fuck out of people for years. And now you get to experience it as an adult, too. I can only imagine how people felt about that. I don't know. I guess it's the same way we felt about a new screen coming out. But I don't even think that's the same parallel. I don't know. I can only imagine how they felt. I wish we had something like that. Because I feel like by the time we were born, everything was out. It's not like we had an actual, I mean, I guess we had ghost face. So yeah, so yeah, that is the right parallel. Okay, look yeah, at me. Yeah, because exci- I was excited for Scream 4 to come out. And then I ended up hating it, but. I guess, I think, I guess I was talking about more in the realm of a remake type situation because it's not like Scream has been remade. It's still in the same canon. So I'm guessing I was thinking more of like, they're bringing this back like oh this was my childhood such and such and now they're making it for a new generation but so on top of this movie receiving positive reviews from critics audiences 
fans, everybody's just talking about like the actors, the actresses, the direction, the cinematography, the music. People are saying like, this is one of the best Stephen King adaptations by far. And I want to ask you what you think, but I feel like that's not fair to ask you that because you've only like seen four. And also I haven't seen the original. So it's kind of just like, this was a new experience. I don't think you need to see the original. I mean, yeah, I would like for you to see it, but I'm saying you don't even need to, it's an, ad- it's an adaptation. It's not, okay. This is not a remake of the miniseries. This is a whole retelling from the novel. So you don't need to even have seen the old one to judge this one off anything. True. I mean, I really, it was okay. <laughs> I really don't know how I feel about it. I'm talking about compared to the all the Stephen King movies you have seen. Yeah, The Mist is still my favorite. I think out of adaptations, as much as I love Carrie, Andy stuck his fucking foot in this. I just, and I did not, and I'm showing my hand here. When I rewatched this, I hadn't seen it probably since. I watched it in theaters when it first dropped, but I know I've seen it in between time. So I've probably only seen this three times. But when I watched it this time, I was like, God damn, this is a fun movie. I didn't even realize I liked this as much as I did. And I was like, damn. For a new movie, it's very, very good. Like, usually, I got shit to say about shit. But with this one, I was fine. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is such a good rap. Well, survivors, I'm ready to take you on a fun ride. So, if you will buckle your seatbelts. Um, you ready to get in line? Yes. Let's go. Step in line. Your number is near. Follow the signs. Your time is here. I think this queue line might be a little quickie today. We're going to answer eight questions and we're going to figure out which one of the losers we are. Hmm. Do you have any pre predictions? Um, to be honest, I have no clue <laughs> which I think we will be. I think you will probably get Stan. For me, if I don't get Richie, it's like I can see an Eddie in me, but I think I just think Eddie is so stinking adorable that I just like Eddie. But we're going to see. Survivors, you can play along with us and let us know what your results are over on our Twitter. And just like that, let's play. What do you like to do on the weekends? Do something adventurous. Go bike riding with my friends. Explore a new place. Take a nice bubble bath. Spend the day reading. Go out drinking. Do work around the house. Well, lately, it's been lay in the bed all day and never go outside. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess go out drinking. For me... A lot of these would apply, but at the end of the day, at the end of it all, I just want to have an adventure. Just, I need to do something. So I'm going to say go on an adventure. Do you have a best friend? I have one best friend. I have a few good friends, but not a best friend. 
I have multiple best friends. I have a big group of friends who are like family to me. I don't have a best friend. I'm content being by myself. Yes, my cousin. Yes, my mom. I have multiple. And I have multiple best friends too. What is your biggest fear? Clowns, losing someone I love, being alone, germs, fire, being physically assaulted, not being in control. Um, I guess clowns. None of the others apply to me. Well, I care about losing someone I love, but I'm not scared of it. Yeah, I'll go clowns. I think my biggest fear is losing somebody I love. I mean, like that, yeah. No, I think it is that one. I mean, I understand like at some point we do have to separate, but even if it wasn't that, like I take lost friendships kind of hard, depending on who the friend is. Like, so, you know, yeah, I'm gonna go with that one because that's always a sad situation. I feel that. Who are you in your friend group? The jokester, the leader, the flirt, the parent, the loyal one, the one who is down for anything, the brains. Um, the one who's down for anything. <laughs> I am split here. Oh, <laughs> uh, a few of these are me. Like, like we said in the Jennifer's Body episode, it just depends on what group of friends yeah. I'm around. But if one thing remains consistent, I am the loyal one. What music do you listen to? Whatever's on the radio. Indie alternative, soft rock, hip hop and R&B, classical, classic rock, or EDM. I don't even listen to the radio. Um, I'm going with hip hop R&B. I am going to go with the same because that actually is. How brave are you? I act like I'm not scared of anything, but actually, um, I'm terrified of almost everything. I'm scaredy cat. I've been through so much that um, nothing phases me. I'm pretty brave. I avoid all situations where I would have to act brave. I'm a little scared at first until I know what I'm up against. I'm brave depending on the situation. Um, it's a toss up between I've been through so much that nothing phases me and I'm brave depending on the situation. For me, I'm a little scared at first until I know what's going on and I'm like, oh, okay, bet, cool, let's do it. Once I get over there, I'm free game. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go with depending on the situation. What's your family background like? I was raised in a single parent household. My parents passed when I was young. I am the only child. I am close to my family and rely on them frequently. I am kind of close to my family. Um, my family sucks. I have an average relationship with my family, but I prefer to hang out with my friends. It's between I'm close to them and rely on them. And then I average and prefer to hang out with my friends because I love my family and I am close to them, but I would love to hang out with my friends more. <laughs> oh. This one, it's almost like this is very hard because I would just fall into the, yeah, I just naturally fall into the last one because 
I just started getting close to my immediate family for real, for real. I was the child that was just like, fuck all y'all, I'm leaving. I don't want to talk to y'all. And then realize I'm like, oh shit, I guess this is my family. Not even like that, like, oh, this your family, you got to be nice to them. But I actually healed and learned some things. And that's the, that's the thing. It's like, I don't rely on them. Like, I'm close with them, yes, but I don't rely on them. They know I am the last person to ask for anything. I will literally struggle through the mud and dirt and everybody will cuss me on and be like, why did you not say anything? Because I didn't want to. Um, and that's the thing. I've been with my family and I prefer to hang out with my friends. <laughs> so it's like for the past two years, it's like I've been wanting to go and be with my friends. But because of the situation with my mother, I, can, I, I can't. I <laughs> can Yeah. I'm just going to go with I am close with them. What is your dream job? An actor, a fashion designer, teacher, a writer, an entrepreneur, a radio DJ? Any job I can be financially successful in? Any job I can be financially successful in? Um, out of these? Because I feel like, like, obviously, the sensible answer is the last one. But I'm just like, dream job, though? I... I don't have a dream job because who dreams of working? Not I. <laughs> I mean, I just want to be famous, bitch. Like, that's my dream job. Like, just like these oh. little influencers that be walking around here and ain't famous for shit. That was my dream before the dream. I don't even want to be famous. I just want the money aspect. The money aspect is fine. That's all right. I mean, I love the money. But no, I want, remember my name, baby, like, Michael Jackson, Janet Stacks, all that. Yeah, no, I just want to be rich without the fame. I don't know. Fuck that. So y'all can be shredding me apart in the shade room comments? Hell no. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, y'all sitting here commenting in every comment, I get money. Tough titty. Okay, so I guess, uh, I'm just gonna, this is so basic. I'm gonna pick the last one because <laughs> the rest of me, I honestly don't care for these. I guess an entrepreneur will be the closest, but it's just like, I do that already. <laughs> so I guess we made that. I'll just pick the last one. It's fine. Whatever. How did I know I was gonna get this? I knew I was going to get this. Go ahead. I'm Bill. I'm a natural born leader. I knew I was gonna get that. I just fucking knew I was Bill. I knew it. I got Richie. Like Richie, you try not to take life too seriously. Well, survivors, let us know which loser you are from the club on our Twitter. Well, survivors, you can let us know which loser you are over on our Twitter. But before we get ready to hop on a ride, we got to knock out the survivor shout out. And first up, we have Bianca. Hey, Bianca girl. And Nita. Hey, Nita. Brandon. Hello, Brandon. Brittany. Hey, Brittany girl. Danielle. Danielle. And last but not least, my, huh, I'm sorry, survivors. I'm just saying, I just love him the most. Cody. That is favoritism, but I'm here for it. Hi, Coco. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Coco is my babe. I'm gonna fight for Coco anytime on any horror block, okay? Unless he says something about Freddy, but he would never do that. So I never have to even worry about that. So look at that. <laughs> well. Wow.
so now that that's done, we can go ahead and get into 2017's It, Chapter One. There you go. She's all ready, Captain. Thanks, Billy. Y'all know I stan CZ's world. I know he does not know me, but I stan CZ. I absolutely adore everything he does on his channel. I have linked below. He has done so much content on it. So if you know CZ, he does like the things you missed videos and he points out little Easter eggs. And y'all know me, I'm an Easter egg girl. He has 94 things from this movie and they the way he points them out and relates them back to the first movie to the book just the way he does his work is amazing but he also does a segment called horror history where he does breakdowns on all of the characters and different things like that and he also has a breakdown of the trailer all of that is down below it's going to take you a while to get through so have fun with that but when it comes to the trailer one thing that he pointed out is all of the changes that they made one for example is when you see pennywise coming out the water it's a real quick moment he has eyes but his reflection is just straight black but it's not like that in the movie or like when beverly gets the blood like back up from the sink it's black in the commercial and not in the movie so you don't yeah. even know like it was supposed to be blood in the first place and I kind of like when movies do that 
I know sometimes I'm like, well, dang, I wish they would have left that in. They didn't show that in the movie. Da, 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 da. But I was actually fine with this one because honestly, I'm trying to think like, this wasn't when I enforced my no trailer rule yet. But I'm trying to think, did I even notice? I don't even think I noticed all of that stuff until my research for the podcast and upon watching CZ's videos that all that stuff was different. But it just made me so fucking excited for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember seeing the trailer. I just had no intentions of ever watching this movie. So <laughs> And now look at you watching the movie i watched it by force not by choice (laughs) in the city of Derry, maine october 1988 bill dimbro creates a paper sailboat for georgie his six-year-old brother claiming to be sick billy stays inside while georgie sails the boat along the rainy streets only to have it fall down a storm drain As he attempts to retrieve it, Georgie sees a clown in the drain who introduces himself as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Pennywise entices Georgie with promises of balloons and popcorn, then lures him closer into the sewer and bites his arm off and drags the poor little boy into the sewer. Title card. He was drooling the whole time and that was bothersome to me. The thing about that is that wasn't even on purpose. They just kept it. So the way that that mask and the teeth in his mouth were set up, it just made him jewel. And it was like, keep it. We like yeah. it. Just keep it. So much so that in a later scene when he's dealing with one of the losers, he actually like drooled on them. And little boy, I'll tell you who it is. Like He was like, that kind of made me more scared. I wasn't acting. I was serious. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, I just went with it. (laughs) Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. First Easter egg I caught. The posters in Billy's room. Billy has a Gremlins poster and a Beetlejuice poster. And I live. I totally live. I mean, we're in the 80s. Beetlejuice literally just came out. Gremlins came out what, like? The year before that, I think, or something like that. So these were big movies. And I almost, CZ, again, does a nice little breakdown of why he thinks the movies are here. I just think they were popular movies, even though I I was kind of riding with what he was going along with. But anyway, when Georgie has to go down in the basement, I'm like, I'm with you, Georgie, because basements are creepy. I don't have issues with basements. Only because, you know, here, basements aren't how they're depicted in movies. Their extra living space and decked out and all types of stuff. No. The basements in the Midwest look like that basement in that movie. This is why the kids in the Midwest do not fuck with basements. Because they look like that. We don't get the luxury of these fancy-ass basements. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> Until our parents, until we go to high school and we get out the house and our parents remodel the house. We don't know what that basement is, okay? Yeah, I don't know. And I guess that's why, like, when I say, oh, I want a house out of the basement, everybody's like, ew. Well, my boyfriend specifically, he's like, ew. And I'm like, why are you saying ew? That's extra living space. Like, it doesn't occur to me that people associate basements with storage or something like that. I associate with extra fucking living space. Like, I could create a theater down there, game room, all types of stuff. Like, I don't. And that's because where I grew up. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, look at where you grew up. <laughs> this introduction to Pennywise is everything. So we get, we just really get a taste of him. Okay. No pun intended. We get a taste yeah. of him, but it's not like, once again, I know you haven't seen the original, but it's not like in that one where it's TV lighting and it's just Tim Curry right there. <laughs> You're just like, hey, it's him in the sewer. But in this one, it's so much darker. Hiya, Georgie. And you know my ass. I say that in regular life <laughs> for no reason. And it's another part. It's another line in the movie. I was wondering, did it trigger you? Because I say it all the time. And I was hoping that when you heard it in the movie, you was like, this bitch been quoting this movie this whole time. But I'm pretty sure you have no idea what it is now. Probably not. When he finally takes that bite of Georgie's arm, I fully was not expecting this to happen. Like yeah, I, I was, knew I, I didn't expect him to bite his arm off. I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew this was going to happen. I guess I thought they were going to play around with this R rating and not show it. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting to see this little boy arriving on the ground with one fucking arm screaming. Yeah, I didn't even know what was supposed to happen. So everything was a shock to me. The following summer summer of 1989 13 years after the black prom and the same year a two-year-old would get creamed on a highway in Ludlow Maine we meet Mike Hanlon who works with his uncle at the slaughterhouse unable to complete his task of nailing a lamb in the head his uncle lectures him on being able to step up when necessary meanwhile Bill and his friends Richie Tozer Eddie Kasbrack and Stanley Uris are preparing for the summer. On the other hand, Beverly Marsh and new kid Ben Hanscom are ditching and dodging bullies. Speaking of the school bullies, Henry Bowers and his friends, Bilch Huggins, Patrick Hotsetter, and Victor Chris, put the losers on note that these ass whoopings will be distributed since it's been a year since Georgie went missing and I've been going light on y'all, but now it's time that I go in. Anyway, before Henry can fully follow through with his threat, he sees his dad, Officer Oscar Bogart Bowers, watching him as he waits with Mrs. Ripson, the mother of missing student Betty Ripson, and instantly Henry backs off. Kind of. Um, sir, you didn't see your son lick his hand and smack that little boy in the face? You didn't see that? Probably not. Or maybe he did and just didn't care. It was, it, no, it was too much. So at this point, we've met all of our main characters that are going to be in this movie. I like this hallway scene, just everything. Usually school hallway scene, they annoy me because I know the extras are extra ing. This one felt completely natural to me. It was very crowded, extremely crowded. I don't recall high school being that crowded. You weren't in high school in the 80s. This is the 80s. Does that mean that there's more or less kids in the 80s? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Gary schools didn't look the same. Like my class of 63 was not always like that. The schools were way bigger then. And then they just slowly started dwindling down. And I imagine that happened everywhere. I would imagine. And y'all went to school with like thousands of niggas. Like, what? <laughs> It was as many people be in y'all class was as many people was in my school from six to 12th grade. Six to 12th grade, it was only like 500 of us in the school. 500 was like y'all standard class. 
Uh, so see, here's the thing. For me, in high school, I was in the science and tech program. So the science and tech was significantly smaller than the rest of the class. So it was like, I only ever hung out with the techies all day, every day. So it was kind of just like, I it didn't seem big to me because, or crowded, because I was on separate hallways than what all the other kids would be on. That's probably why. I can get that, but y'all schools was still, like your tech program was probably still bigger than my class. Like, it, yeah, it was just places, I guess it just depends on literally where you at. Like, I was in Gary. We all know Gary is literally a dead town. But anyway, Beverly, this poor girl, being called a slut in the 80s is not the same as being called a slut today. Now it's like more empowering. Back then it was like, oh, derogatory. Yeah, like you did not want to be known as a hussy and none of that other stuff. As far as Beverly goes, she's pretty much like the tomboy. She don't give a shit. She smokes at school. She just, she with the shits. And the other girls just are not with it. Like, they just can't handle it. And when stuff like that happens, girl, they gonna hate on you. It's okay, Beverly. I think that's disgusting what they did, though. That's nasty. I don't even know what was in that trash can, but they dumped everything on her head while she was sitting in the toilet smoking. They filled it up with water it was i don't know what was in the can but they just took it over to the sink filled it up and was like yeah bitch i'm just beverly you would have had to fight girl i would have fought them i guess you could have just walked out i don't know what you did but i know we would have fought i would have been outnumbered but i wouldn't have cared because everybody would have got this work today it's the last day of school anyway you're not gonna get suspended actually at my school if you fought on the last day and you were coming back, your suspension started the first day of school. That's crazy. They definitely did that. That definitely was a thing. Also, when Ben and Beverly meet outside for the first time, so adorable. Ben is just the cutest little thing. He cannot take it, but we're going to talk because Mr. Ben, throughout this movie, it's a few times he just let his emotions just take control. And I'm like, sir, you got to chill. <laughs> like, he really got to chill out. I get it. You young, but mm-mm. I'm telling you, this is cringe material for you when you get older. So there's a deleted scene between Ben and Henry Bowers. So Beverly mentions, like, everybody knows that Henry is looking for you, but you probably thinking like, I didn't know that. What do you mean? So there's a deleted scene where Ben didn't want to give Henry his homework, resulting in Henry having to go to summer school. So now he's upset about that. So that's why he on his ass. <clears throat> Bill, still haunted by Georgie's disappearance, calculates that his brother's body may have washed up in the Barrens. He even recreates the tunnel system to try to improve his theories. Meanwhile, Mike is making deliveries when he spots Henry and his friends. Darting down the alley to hide, he hears faint screaming, which turns into burning hands trying to escape the back door of his family's shop. Too stunned to speak, Mike watches as the screaming stop and the door swings open, revealing Pennywise hanging from a meat hook. Pennywise begins to entice Mike with his dead light eyes until Mike realizes Henry and the gang barreling down the alley towards him in Belch's car. 
Mike is able to move out the way just in time as Henry threatens him, leaving the boy in shock. Bill's daddy didn't have to go that hard on him. I don't remember what Bill's daddy did. When he created the tunnels. Oh, why in my head? I was thinking Bill was the bully. <laughs> um, no, yeah, he didn't have to. He didn't have to do all that. But I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it too. But I guess my thing is, obviously, everybody's grieving differently. And this is how Bill is dealing with it. <sighs> I mean, but he's not really grieving. He's ex- pretty much saying that the child is still alive when we all know that he's not um and so yeah I mean yeah grieving isn't the best word but this is how Bill is I don't mm, I don't know how to describe this I just feel like there could have been another type of resolution for this I don't know what that would look like but there could have been something else Mike's guardian, what the fuck do you mean? Are you okay? Did you not just see that car just bail down the alley like that? No, you didn't hear this white boy yelling at me like this. No, that was his guardian. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I never I just thought that, that was, was like a, his uncle. I just thought that was whoever. somebody random. Stanley is preparing for his Torah reading, but is struggling, which is even more a big deal considering he's the rabbi's son. Returning the book to his dad's office, Stanley has to walk past a painting that genuinely scares him. After fixing the painting, it falls off the wall, revealing the woman to be missing from the photo. Confused, Stanley barely can wander before the lady pops out and nearly attacks him. Stanley's smart enough to get the fuck out of that room. And that would have been me, first of all. First of all. He had the right idea when he walked in the room and was like covering his eyes. That was smart. When you heard the picture frame fall, baby, you should have just ran. I didn't really see. I didn't see anything wrong with what he did. If I'm scared of the photo, he's scared of that photo. I don't know why he picked it up. He picked it up because it failed, obviously. But I'm saying if I'm scared of that photo, I'm not picking it up if it falls. I'm not. I didn't knock it over. It's staying there. Like I said, father, fix the nails in your walls. Why is that shit falling in the first place? Excuse my language in the house of the Lord, but why is that shit falling in the first place? Later on, Bill recruits his friends to investigate, believing Georgie still may be alive. This scene is so cute when Bill, Richie, and Eddie are at Eddie's house and they're like, talking about how Georgie might still be at the Barrens, how they're going to go, blah, 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 blah. So they're getting ready to leave. And we meet Eddie's mom. Now, Eddie's mom, she is a character. But I love this scene because she's talking to Eddie about making sure he doesn't do this. Don't go out there if it's cut grass because you know how it messes with your allergies. Whole time, there's a TV show that's very prevalent throughout the movie. It's called Dairy's Children's Hour. And if you're like listening, probably the first time you watch a movie, probably don't catch it. But they're saying some wild ass shit on the TV screen. And you just like, now, wait a minute. I know this lady did not just tell these kids to go down in the sewer to see the clown. Hold up. 
are y'all watching this? Are y'all seeing this? Mm. But my favorite part of the scene is as the boys leave, <laughs> Eddie is like, or Eddie's mom is like, aren't you forgetting something? So Eddie has to go give his mom a little kiss. You know, that's embarrassing. And then Richie's like, you want one for me too, Mrs. K? Uh, of course, Richie, like, what the fuck? So as they leave, Eddie's like, sorry, mommy. <laughs> That part is so fucking adorable to me. Ben Hanscom is hanging out in the library looking up unexplained tragedies and child disappearances that have plagued the town for centuries. While he's browsing this little poem he's written for Beverly, he starts flipping through one of the books, realizing the same pictures on every page just zoomed in until it reveals a kid's head in a tree after the Easter explosion. A red balloon lures Ben into the basement where a headless body chases him through the basement only to later reveal itself as Pennywise. Rightfully so, Ben freaks out and leaves the library but is quickly targeted by Bowers and his gang. The gang takes Ben to the kissing bridge where Patrick threatens to burn his hair but Henry actually cuts him with the switchblade. Ben is able to free himself and flees into the Barons running into the Losers Club. This library scene put me on fucking edge because here's the thing. You're looking at the article and you're like, okay, this is some fucked up shit that's happened. But if you're paying attention and you look behind Ben, there's a lady. So you've seen the lady bring him the book and the lady goes sits down at this desk. There's another lady in the back that's just staring at him the entire time. And then every time they cut close to her, she gets closer and closer to him, but she's never up on him, but it's only, she's so far away from him that you gotta be looking at her, but it's like, you cannot not see her. She's literally standing there like this, and she's doing a little Pennywise lean, like Pennywise has a little lean that he does, and he's just standing there, and I know it's him, but I'm just like, Ben, turn around. You don't feel that? I missed this whole scene. Girl, you gonna have to go back and watch the movie. (laughs) No. I miss this whole scene. Like when I say the beginning of this movie was a kind of a struggle for me to get through. So I missed the part where Eddie, we meet Eddie's mom. So I missed all of that background info and I missed this scene with the balloon. So when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh wait, this actually was in the movie, this happened? I woke up right when Henry was at the bridge getting his shit carved in not not henry ben was at the bridge getting getting his stomach carved into by henry and i'm like what the fuck he takes his shit too far so the headless boy that shit sent me over the edge in the movie theaters first things first don't do basement second thing seconds don't like the dark third things third things happen in the dark i'm not for none of that shit so when i seen that little boy step down the step and there was no head on it i was just like first of all ben why are you still standing here because i just would have ran towards it and i know that sounds like a dumbass idea survivors but here's the thing it didn't have any weapons it just had easter eggs so what was it gonna do throw the rotten eggs at me which i mean that probably could have killed me who knows but it wouldn't have been expecting me to run at it you guys when y'all say that y'all be talking about running towards people that have knives and other objects so that's why that does not work but this whole time that this little headless boy was chasing him through the basement of the library I was in my seat freaking out because I do this thing when I watch movies especially if I'm in a theater or if I'm at home in the dark 
if it freaks me out a little bit, for some reason, I imagine whatever it is just walking around the corner and coming to get me. I just know for a fact that that thing, that headless thing was going to walk into the movie theater and come fuck with me. And I was truly disturbed by this. I didn't like it. Right as Ben meets up with the losers, they just found the sneaker of Betty Ripson. Whole time, Bowers gang is still on the prowl and Patrick is down in the sewers looking for Ben when he is killed by Pennywise. Now, this is when we get our full Pennywise reveal, okay? Patrick's down there. He thinks it's a fucking game. And Patrick is really creepy. If you know about Patrick, mm, yeah. Patrick's playing around too fucking much. You should have known that this was serious when you heard them other voices because you was only looking for one person. So why are you hearing other voices? You should have known that that was a red flag. When you seen that balloon pop up in front of you, I would have instantly ran because why is it balloons, especially helium floating balloons? Why is that down here? That's another red flag. But again, this is the 80s. Y'all ain't seen shit yet. So I'm giving y'all the benefit of the doubt that y'all was just dumb. But Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. them kids when he blew that little torch no i would have been out and i guess he did have the right idea because he did run but pennywise loves to play games and the door was locked and boom 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 wham bam thank you ma'am that was it poor thing rest in peace i mean he deserved it so pretty yeah he was he's terrible he is terrible so oof Trying to help Ben, who is still bleeding from his cut from Henry, the boys run to a drugstore but realize they do not have the funds. Beverly Marsh takes advantage of the creepy-ass store owner, allowing the boys to get a little five-finger discount. It is so sad that she knows. I seen that little payment light in your room. I don't know what that was, but I saw that little payment light. Time out, y'all. I'm going to let y'all hear this. We're recording and literally a little light just zoomed past John A's face and it was like on the back wall. I saw that whole thing. My lights flickered. Girl, I thought you was over there trying to summon Queen Lee. <laughs> nah, my lights flickered and it was kind of strange. It's so sad that Beverly knew this creep's number. Like, mm, it's smart, but also like, ew very ill wait that threw me off i'm sorry so beverly knew whose number not literal number like his call card oh i was like wait what (laughs) when the boys come back and they're trying to help ben it's a while that they're just talking about uh everything that just happened yada 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 if you notice pennywise is right there on the mural wall why they're talking at first he's not there but then the camera cuts back and you just see his face right on the wall fucking watching them this is every like this nigga does not stop playing you play too fucking much penny i don't get the time for this at this point bill and ben are developing feelings for beverly who heads home where her dad, who is watching Dairy Children's Hour, of course, stops her in the hallway and sees that she bought some tampons. Making him confirm that she's still his little girl, he leaves her distraught in the hallway, resulting in her cutting her hair off. Beverly then joins the losers at the quarry for a swim, where a lot of cute little stuff happens, summer memories, and they even see a turtle. 
Her father's a dipshit. Her father is the worst. I appreciate how they handled it in this movie. It was just just enough for us to know exactly what was going on. You didn't have to go too graphic with it. But um, still, it's just like, I just, my heart hurts for her that she has to literally go through this. Like people at school calling her a fucking slut, her daddy being just, everybody in the town is just sexualizing this little girl. Like, poor thing. Okay, she just hit puberty. Like, and she, like her mom's not there to even, not a mom, not a sister, auntie, because nobody's there to like, she's by herself, literally by herself navigating this. And everybody's just giving her shit, except for the losers. But I mean, even when they're at, even when they're at the quarry, like, there's that little part, which I mean, I, you know, this is like the summer of awakening for them. So the part when she's sunbathing and they're all like staring at her, and then when she gets up, they're all like, ooh. I like it didn't bother me because I'm like they're kids I mean like at some point y'all was looking at titties and we was looking at y'all too I'm not gonna stunt y'all think we wasn't we was okay thanks for nothing but thanks (laughs) also this little love triangle being is petty Bill was trying to tell Beverly he liked her hair but we all know that Bill has a little stutter being asked on cutting in your hair is beautiful. Bitch, don't cut in on my compliment. <laughs> That's not nice. Rudeness. It's at this point where Ben educates the losers on Derry's fucked up town history. So they head down to his house to learn a little bit more. On the way, they see a missing poster for Patrick. That was fast. But mm, actually, you know, at this point, a few days had passed. But still, that was kind of fucking fast. I mean, it only takes less than 24 hours for if you're for children is faster than full blown adults. I mean, yeah, but also I'm not going to stunt in the 80s. Y'all was letting y'all kids run around all day. No cell phones, no nothing, not knowing where they was at. You know what I'm saying? This which I guess, which I guess this plays into it. Cause I just want to know, like, when did they figure out he was missing? Probably when he ain't come home. But does he usually come home? We don't know this. I would imagine kids like Patrick, Belch, Victor, and Henry, they strike me as the type that like would not come home just on a regular basis for some reason. I don't think Henry had a choice. Well, Henry gonna get his ass whipped by his daddy. He ain't gonna play them games. If anything, everybody's probably at his house. He's that kid. He can't go over other people's house, but everybody can come over there. <laughs> Eddie walks home alone, having to walk the Neboat house that seems to be calling him. He drops his meds and gets some help from a leper. This, of course, sends Eddie in a fucking tizzy because eddie is a germaphobe if you know what a leper is that just mm -mm, no eddie goes running through the yard where he sees pennywise later that night while admiring her secret admirer letter she hears the voice of veronica betty ripson and patrick hoxetter coming from the drain going to check it out her hair and blood jumps out of the drain covering her in the bathroom her dad comes in to see what's wrong hearing all of the screaming but he can't see the blood like she can. This right here definitely gave me a nightmare on Elm Street. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know exactly what scene I'm talking about. And then, because the shit kept going. Like, soon as Beverly was on the floor, the blood was still shooting out the sink. So it just kept going. And if you know what scene I'm talking about, you know exactly it gave nightmare vibes. But what I thought was brilliant, and they do this throughout the movie, and we haven't really talked about it, but when her dad comes in and he can't see the blood, that's when it becomes real because you've already seen Ben getting beat up on the kissing bridge and the adults go past and they're literally looking dead at them, but they don't react. And you would be expecting like the adults to intervene. Uh, I feel like there's another part that happens earlier. I don't know if it is the part with Mike. It has to be, yeah, the part with Mike in the alley and Pennywise is literally right there in the building. But of course, nobody, the other adult didn't see him. Like it was just Mike that saw him. Pennywise does this thing where he does not affect adults. Now, I know you will probably ask the question, well, how does this work in the second movie? They explain it. But as far as adults go, because they do not believe in it, it's almost like a we don't talk about Bruno type situation. Like, don't bring up Freddie. Don't bring up Sugar Man. Don't bring up Pennywise. Like, we don't see that. Like, we know these kids are going missing, but I don't know why. Something's just happening where we have a mass amount of kids go missing every 27 years and nobody thinks this is a dink. We choose to live in ignorance. That's what this is. It's so stupid. And not even with that, because her dad really could not see the blood. Like, he really did not see the blood. Same way as the other dose didn't see things. They just, I guess it's just oblivious. I don't know. I can't say oblivious because it's almost like, so you do see the blood, but you don't see it. But no, they really do not see what's going on billy is awoken by a leak in the ceiling going to get a bucket he's attracted to georgie's room taking a moment to sit on his bed he hears something outside the hallway seeing a quick flash of who he thinks is georgie running to the basement following the specter billy sees georgie in the basement and he starts speaking to bill and repeating the phrase you'll float too you'll float too his voice becoming distorted and demonic as Pennywise is revealed to be using Georgie as a puppet. I knew this scene was going to get real. Like I said, this movie does not stop because you just seen what happened to Beverly. But all of a sudden there's blood like dripping on Bill's notepad of him drawing Beverly and her red hair and her new haircut because he loves it so much. When Bill gets up and goes to Georgie's room, he grabs a turtle. Now this is like the second time we've mentioned a turtle so here's the thing about this turtle not so much in the movie but in the book there it comes from space okay it is not even a clown it just chooses to be a clown because that's the most recognizable to humans and he can also hide behind the clown and kill you but it is an alien like it's a deep it's not from here okay and Right before the earth was created, there was this turtle named, I don't know the turtle's name. I call him maturing like the noodles, but that's not the turtle's name. So that's what we call him. So there's a turtle that vomited the universe. And this turtle, this is what Stephen King wrote. Hmm, hold on. How can I explain this? Because this shit's not going to make sense. Like, it sounds weird. <laughs> it's not going to make sense. <laughs> Basically, everything... In this world, is turtle vomit, and that's just how the earth came about. Him and Pennywise, they got this beef. And what? yeah, it's you have to read the book. Me explaining it 
to you is not going to get it across. You have to read the book to understand this shit or go watch the show notes. Like I said, to understand this shit, because me explaining it to you and you have no context besides this movie, you're not going to get it. It's not going to click at all. I'm trying to like turtle vomit. That's just so weird and random. That's why you're seeing so much turtle imagery in this movie, because it plays a lot of the stuff. It's, it's almost like you can watch this movie not knowing anything, but it's a lot more fun if you know stuff because you're not even looking for it. It's just there and you're like, oh, shit, that's that. Oh, shit, that's that. Also, Georgie, I know that's not you, but don't be creeping in the basement corner like that, baby. That's scary. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. And then it didn't take me until the second time I seen the movie that I realized that Pennywise was marionetting this little boy. So I remember, I think I was in a clubhouse room and someone brought that up. It was me. (laughs) I thought that Georgie was just standing there and Pennywise was just being creepy and just sticking his head out the water. Whole time, his arm is really up this little boy's back and he's like marionetting him because when he slams him into the water, I knew that Georgie wasn't Georgie. But I was just like, damn, you ain't have to slam him in the water like that. Like, ooh, Jesus. But then he goes for Bill and Bill books it up the stairs. I'm like, yes, that's me every time I leave a basement. I don't care. Every time I leave a basement, I'm running up the stairs because it's three seconds before the dark demon comes and gets you. You got to get your ass up the stairs. But I also like the, like, ugh, the way that Penny was was just like, oh, and then just slid back. Yeah. Ugh, ugh. Beverly invites the losers over to show them the blood-soaked bathroom. Cue a little cleaning montage. After Beverly mentions January embers to Bill, he has no idea what she's talking about, revealing to her that he didn't write the poem, but, you know, she don't care because she's still kind of feeling him because he said he don't believe them rumors about her being a slutty girl, and she feeling that. I was not a fan of all that blood, but I think there was nice and stuff for cleaning it because I wouldn't have. You wouldn't help? I don't like blood. But you wouldn't help? What I you going to do? You going to be Richie and stand outside? Yeah. <laughs> well, or I would call somebody. I thought you was the down for whatever friend. Not, not for cleaning that blood. They That's had nasty. gloves and stuff. Mm-mm. Y'all would see me in there having a trying not to yeah. whole time. Poor Ben. He's standing outside the club watching Bill and Beverly just get all cute and stuff. And he like, bitch, I wrote the poem. Like I said, Ben, you gotta get your emotions in control. Cause there's a few other times where he just goes off the rails with it. And I can't wait to talk about it because this shit is funny. But anyway. As the Losers Club all leave to run the streets, they spot Mike Hanlon's bike and Belch's car, meaning trouble. Mike, who is being jumped by the gang, sees Pennywise across the way eating Eddie Cochran's arm, because that shit was scary. Beverly throws a rock at Henry right before he almost bludgeons Mike with one. This initiates a rock war between the Losers and the Bowers gang, but the bullies are outnumbered. The Losers bring Mike into the fold, giving us our gang of seven. First of all, can I leave Virgin see it? Which, like I said, 
really okay the innocent can see the effect of pennywise that's almost like adults our imaginations even though some stuff can scare us we have different kinds of fears versus kids where their fears can literally run fucking wild and that's why pennywise goes after them because they're easier to scare than an adult right and then i'm glad that those kids stuck up for themselves and fucked those bullies up I just, okay, I understand y'all ain't have a lot to do in the 80s. Rock Wars, though? Because y'all niggas is for tough. I see why Gen X ain't nothing to play with. Because, goddamn, like, these kids were getting hit. And obviously, these are foam rocks. But clearly, this had to be something that was happening in real life like y'all was really throwing rocks at each other because I kind of remember being young and people would throw rocks and people be like stop doing that like you know but y'all was full out throwing like bricks at people (laughs) what is happening it was so funny because the other day I was really telling my mom like each generation gets fucking softer and softer and I forgot what the conversation was but it had something to do with college and it had something to do with like parties or something. I don't know. But it was like the upperclassmen really put the fear of God in you. But nowadays you can't put that fear of God in them kids and they're going to run and cry and say who. So it's kind of just like each generation just gets softer and softer. Yeah. Pennywise ain't gonna go for it. Each generation gonna get tastier and tastier because he don't care about none of that shit. Okay. I mean, they're soft as hell, so they probably fall for the bullshit anyway. Being baby, example number one of you having to control your emotions. So before the rock fight, what really set it off is Bowers says some shit about Beverly, and Ben was not happy. Ben was like, ah. I was like. I know you got a crush on her, but just chill. Like, you could have just threw the rock. <laughs> you could have threw the first rock over. You ain't have to do all that. Like, it's a lot. But I do want to mention that at this point, it's an hour into the movie, and this is when we bring Mike into the Losers Club. I know a few people were saying, like, with Mike, they were a little upset that he had less to do in the movie. I'm going to tell y'all this, and I say this a lot. Sometimes, y'all, we don't need to be in it. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> The way, like, what they gave Mike for this movie, and I know in the other, I've seen the other movie, I know what he did in the other one and how it happens in part two, blah, 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 blah. As far as part one goes for this new movie, what they gave him was fine. Chosen Jacobs is a great actor and I would have loved to seen him do more. But for all that was happening in this movie... And the way that they put it all together, it made sense. I'm not mad that he didn't become a loser until the hour end because the way that they told the story, everything was evenly stretched out. So it doesn't really bother you that much. But also, y'all ain't got to put us in fucked up shit. So I'm fine that Mike only had his few parts. We got to know him, his background story, what he needed to overcome, what he's scared of, boom, boom, boom. Now he a loser. And here we are. I agree. He... Well, I don't know. It's like, I kind of agree, but I kind of don't. Only because it just seemed like it was convenient that he was brought in in certain spots, but. Elaborate. Like, I don't know. I just felt 
I don't want to say racist, but some parts where he was brought in felt racist. Like, why are y'all picking on the one black kid? Yeah, no, fuck that. Are you saying like in in the movie or like writing the character? Writing I'm the s- character, like both, like writing the character. Like, I mean, you didn't just have to have the lone black kid. We could have had no black kids and it would have been perfectly fine. I mean, he's black in the story. <laughs> like in this book, he's black. It's not like they threw a black kid in for diversity like they do all this shit now. Like that was his, like everybody. Okay, so this is a retelling, but for the most part, everybody's story is how it is in the book. So that is literally what happened. It's just being told differently from what it was told in the... But he's the only black kid in the movie. I don't know, but... Yeah, but also to mention, I probably should have threw this out there earlier. This retailing was brought into the 80s. The original, this is all set in the 50s. So they literally moved everything up. So like the whole, as far as Mike's story, like they were still dealing, obviously we're still dealing with it today. But I guess the way they tried to reiterate that they tried to make it more for an 80s feel than the 50s, because in the other version, it's worse. Well, at least it was toned down, I guess. Ben brings up that this weird missing kids thing happens about every 27 years, leading to the losers realizing that they're all being stalked by the same entity, which they refer to as it. It appears as their individual worst fears, awakening every 27 years to feed on the children of dairy before resuming hibernation. And, you know... Penny just loves to cruise in those sewer lines, which all leads to an old stone wheel hidden under an abandoned house on Kneebolt Street. Despite having an encounter, Stanley remains that um, this shit can't be real because it don't make sense. It got to be like a dream. And then Mike is like, no, I know what a dream feel like. And this is not no dream. Richie, being the only one to not have an encounter, starts to worry because he himself has chlorophobia. Bitch, he's scared of clowns. You talking the most shit. Makes sense. Also, I just want to point out that Batman and Lethal Weapon were in theaters. <laughs> I love that little Easter egg. And this is where we actually... So I know earlier I mentioned at the Rock fight, when you see Pennywise, you see his arm in like somebody's hand. Naturally, you'd be like, oh, that's Georgie's arm. Georgie got his arm bit off. Well... Actually, no, it's Eddie's arm because Eddie got ate up too. Yikes. While doing more research on the Kneeboat house, Eddie starts to panic as the projector begins to operate on its own. Suddenly, Pennywise gives the kids a free 3D movie, rightfully freaking the kids out. And despite everyone wanting to call it quits, Bill rides out to the Kneeboat house. The rest of the club catches up to him, trying to get him to cancel his plans. But Bill effortlessly delivers a speech without a stutter, telling his friends the reason why he's going in with Richie and Eddie joining him. Richie freaks out after finding himself on a missing poster, but Bill tells him to remember all of this is not real. The boys then hear Betty Ripson calling for help. Going towards her voice, they see her being dragged into a room, whereas Eddie hears something else calling him from behind, distracting him and distancing him from Richie and Bill, who are now inside the next room. The door closes as Eddie tries to run back to them, but the top floor that they're on breaks through to the first floor. Eddie is touched by the leper, 
causing that poor little baby to pass out, fall through the second floor, down to the first floor, onto a kitchen table, breaking his arm. I, oh my gosh. When they're all in the garage and that projector screen starts to go fucking nuts. They show you this in the trailer, but I swear to you, you are not ready for what happens next. Because when he decides he wants to get free 3D movies, absolutely <laughs> not. And you can see at that moment how terrified all of those kids are. I'm like, Richie, you see this shit now? <laughs> Leave Richie alone, okay? So Eddie, when he is trying to run back for Richie and Bill in the floor caves in, this hit me personally because I have this reoccurring dream that I'm in my old high school. For those who don't know, you can look at my high school, Emerson VPA. My high school is old and decrepit now, but it's a historic landmark, so they're not going to tear it down or anything. They're just going to let it rot because Gary does not have the funds. So anyway, I often have a dream that I'm in the school and something different happens every time, but I'm always in the school. And sometimes at some point in my dream, I'll be walking the hallways and either the stairs or the third floor, there's just a hole and I'm stuck where I'm at. I can't move. I can't go forward because I'm going to fall through and I can't go back because it's dark and there's nothing there. So if I go into the darkness, I'm not fucking going in the darkness. So I'm just kind of stuck there until my dream just resets or I wake up. But it it creeps me out every single time because every time I have a dream about my high school, at some point, I just walk into a decrepit high school. Like it's the regular school, but at some point it always transforms into what it looks like now. And it just freaks me out every fucking time. But yeah, that part, mm, good job, Mushietti, because that one really fucked me up. Meanwhile, Richie is lured into another room filled with clowns. A casket is found with the words found graffitied on it, presenting itself with a doll of Richie's corpse inside. Pennywise thinks he's in a goddamn boy band. You've seen a toaster. The boys pop up and they just pop up on stage. I'm like, sir. <laughs> he ends up chasing Richie out of the room. I love that we don't know that he's in a room with clowns because they're all like under the sheets and then they all just move. <laughs> but I love that you get this Easter egg of the original Pennywise clown right next to the casket. And he's just standing there looking so cute. Oh, love it. Then you get another Easter egg, which I wonder was this in the movie, but it got cut out because there's a scene where all the losers are like, shut up Richie but if you know you know that the line is beep beep Richie so when Pennywise says it to him if you know you know but if you don't know you just like what it means is when his friends say it it just means you talking too much like just pump your brakes Richie just beep beep Richie shut up also more nightmare fuel when Eddie pops his little head out of the mattress or when Pennywise pops Eddie's little dead head out the mattress like hey you want to play loogie and starts fucking spitting that tar Ew. No. Back downstairs, Pennywise pops out of a refrigerator and begins to thrill poor little Eddie, trying to scare him as much as possible. Whole time, Bill and Richie face three doors. Not scary at all, scary and very scary. Choosing the first one, they see the top half of Betty Ripson, who's still looking for her shoe. Gathering themselves, they all run through the door as Pennywise was finna snack on little Eddie. 
Turns out Pennywise heard that shit that Bill was talking about not being real and delivers a KO saying that it was all real enough for Georgie. Pennywise rushes the kids, but Beverly stabs him in the eye with a fire poker. After slashing Ben in the belly, Pennywise goes back down into the well. Time out. First of all, why the fuck would y'all pick the not scary at all door? You know yeah, that's the scary sense. door. <laughs> you knew better. Like, y'all knew better. But Bill held it down. He was like, no, we just gotta go. Like, Bill really did hold everybody down. But I mean, he's the leader. So, I mean, he had to. This was all about him. Anyway, this is hands down my favorite scene in the movie. I don't shut up about it when I do talk about this movie. When Pennywise exits the refrigerator and just twists his body out and like shakes his shoulders out, I hate that shit because I'm fucking scared of the whiz. And it makes me think of those things that come out the trash. I don't like that shit, but that's what it made me think of. So then when he gets in the character and he starts doing that walk, my heart be beating fast. And then he just start, first of all, Pennywise is fucking petty. I think that's just going to be the name of the episode because he is fucking petty and he might be more pettier than Freddie. I want to challenge that. But when Pennywise was mocking Eddie's breathing, I fell out on the floor. You did not have to do that to that little boy. Dan got in his face and anybody that's like played with a little kid, you know how you pretend like you're going to eat their hands, but you don't do it. He kept doing that to him. And I'm like, why? Are you messing with this little boy like this? Like, this is terrible. Like, he's making him cry on purpose. And I almost wonder, okay, we talked about earlier how the makeup made Bill Skarsgård, like, drool in real life. And this is the part where he actually drooled on Eddie. Like, that was on accident. wasn't supposed to happen. But they was like, no, keep going. It looks good. I wonder... The more scared the child get, does that make him draw more? Like, he's like, oh, yeah, keep going, because this is about to be some good shit. Yeah, it's some, it's uh, kind of like the same premise of another movie I saw, where it's like, the more scared you are, the better you taste. It's Jennifer's body. Oh. <laughs> but it's I need you else, frightened. But it's something else other than Jennifer's body, too. It's It's been a that's a reoccurring theme across multiple movies and TV shows where it's like this for those people who feed off of fear, they need you. I mean, even Freddie, even Freddie, you have to conjure Freddie up by being scared of him, thinking about him for him to pop up. Like if nobody's talking about Freddie, he ain't going to pop out, you know, and I'm just I love it. Penny is petty. I'm here for it. When Bill and Richie also come to his rescue and Pennywise hears them and then he just covers up Eddie's face with that one hand. Oh, I don't know. It was so creepy that I just just couldn't take it. That whole scene just takes me where I need to go as a horror fan. Even the part where like after he has the fire poker and he's like, all right, I'm about to scare y'all some more. Let me just swing my head around a little bit. And they were genuinely scared. Now, I didn't mention this. This was something I wanted to save exactly for this part. And I'm glad I didn't forget. This was the first time the kids had even seen him. Like for shooting the movie? Yes. Oh. For two months, they'd been shooting and they never seen him. 
this was the first time that they and they did that on purpose because they really wanted them to be scared them kids was fucking scared after that scene they were fine but that first encounter they was like um (laughs) i just (laughs) because imagine imagine eddie this nigga popping out of a refrigerator (laughs) no no Mm-mm. I would have been like cut <laughs> hold up <laughs> cut the cameras <laughs> after the escapade Eddie's mom is furious she snatched up Eddie yelling at the losers especially Beverly Billy wanting to go back for some more smoke but everyone except Beverly thinks that they should just leave it alone this leads to a fight between Bill and Richie causing a split in the group First of all, Mrs. Casper, you are not, I'm not going to even go down that road, but I'm just saying if Beverly would have had me as a cousin, sister, auntie, my, any of that girl. Yeah, I I understand why Beverly ain't smacked the shit out of her, but I would have smacked the shit out of her. Because you ain't talking to me like that. He's leaking hamburger helper. <laughs> Richie was wasn't playing. Richie was serious. He also said that she looked like a young Molly Ringwald, but that was actually kind of accurate. She kind of does. She do. <laughs> and I mean, like, that's that's Richie's thing. Like, through all of it, he just got to be a smart ass. And I'm like, dude, wasn't you just in there screaming? Which, I mean, he's proving his point. He's like, yeah, no, bitch, that was scary. We're not doing that again. Like, Bill, leave it alone. Like, you trying to get all of us fucked up, too. I mean, hello. But Bill, Bill got hands. I wasn't expecting Bill to have hands like that. But also, I knew Richie wasn't going to have no hands. Usually, people that's that kind of funny, you know, not all, some, but I fully expected it. In August, Bowers and his friends are having gun practice when his dad stops him and calls his bluff. Later, Henry sees a red balloon attached to his mailbox. Inside, a package to him holds the switchblade he lost earlier that summer after trying to cut poor little Ben. Heading inside, he finds his dad asleep on the deck as Derry's Children's Hours plays on the TV. Strangely, the host begins to tell Henry to kill his father, as do the children as they chant, Kill them all! Kill them all! Kill them all! Henry holds the switchblade up to his father's neck and releases the trigger, sending the blade into his neck as the TV continues to chant, Kill them all! Kill them all. I'm not gonna lie, that was a nice little quick kill. So you don't recall me saying in the two years we've done this podcast, you don't recall me ever saying kill them all. I am like so sad right now. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm so serious. Cause I damn near say that almost every episode. And I was just waiting for you to text me and be like, that's where you get this from. Really? I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> I did not put two and two together. I just thought that you just like saying kill them all. No, because I mean it. Kill them all. <laughs> Henry Daddy ain't nothing to play with. Ain't nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble. And I feel like this can be a saying that can be applied in other places. Mm-hmm. It can be applied to a whole lot of things. Going back to Derry's Children's Hour, when you look at the TV screen, if you're really paying attention, especially because this time they actually show you the screen, 
before Pennywise is on it, you can see the dead kids. Like all them kids that was in the sewer before Patrick got killed, all of them are sitting right there. Georgie's not in the picture, but you see regular looking kids and then you see kids that clearly look like zombified little kids before Pennywise just pops out. Well, I think it would have been cooler if all of them were dead because it's like, is that where the dead kids go? Then who is this lady? It could be Pennywise because Pennywise is a shapeshifter. So, I mean, but I'm not going to go deep into that. We'll let that be a conversation for another day. Beverly confronts and incapitates her sexually abusive father. At this point, she's ramped up with fear. So Pennywise goes ahead and abducts her. Bill comes to see Beverly, but finds her dad laid out in the bathroom and a bloody message written, you die if you try. He runs to the theaters where A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, Stop Hating, is playing to warn Richie. They tell Eddie, who at this point confronts his mom for giving him gazebo meds and basically having <laughs> Munchausen syndrome. Like, bitch, these is gazebos. That was funny. I was like, gazebos, really? And he like, <laughs> he said that with his chest. He meant every single word like I love when people because okay here's the thing and I was talking to BJ about this today about the whole dividend thing I have a tendency to say that stuff so natural that people really be thinking like I meant to say that like that and I'm like no I'm being silly but I think I'm just an actress at heart and I just be committed to my role like how I used to say lightning and all the time people really thought that I couldn't say lightning oh also Bev's daddy rewind we're not just gonna slide past the fact that you said you found that little letter in her underwear drawer why the fuck are you in there that's the same thing i wrote too that's disgusting you fucking perv these parents just these parents in this movie just not it no 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 they don't really like we get that one scene with bill's dad but honestly bill's parents in other iterate, like they li- they just stopped talking to that little boy. Like they just, like it was his fault or something. And it was not like this just happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. they probably blamed him for giving him the boat. Like he would have never went out and played in the rain if you didn't give him that boat. Why did y'all let him go outside and play in the rain? Because parents are losers. So don't blame Bill for giving him something to do while you allowed him to go outside and play in the rain. But of course, the parents aren't going to think of it that way. Right. So I'm like, y'all allowed it. Bill prompted it because, oh, cool. He has a boat to play in the rain. So therefore, he's asking me to go play in the rain because there's a boat that I can use to play in the rain. If Bill had never asked, if Bill had never created the boat, he would have never went outside. And that's probably a thought process. With those parents. The Losers Club reassemble and return to the abandoned Neboat house to rescue Beverly. Bowers, who has also killed his friends in a deleted scene, watches the group enter the Neboat house. Beverly wakes up in its lair, which contains a mountain of decayed circus props and children's belongings, which, oh Jesus, which the bodies of it, oh, y'all. Listen, just imagine like, y'all know like most trash dumps, how it'd be like a big mountain of trash. 
Just mm-hmm. imagine little tiny bodies just floating in the air around it in a circle. It just looked crazy. Like it, it's well. Beverly gets a free little show from Pennywise before he exposes her to the deadlights. Time out. There's a part that cracks me up so fucking much. When, and it's not the Pennywise dancing part. It's not that part. After Pennywise gets done with his little dancey dance and he jumps out at Beverly and picks her up and she's like, I'm not afraid of you. (laughs) Pennywise does this thing. He's like, (laughs) and I know y'all can't see me, but you have to go back to the movie and go to that spot because he makes this little face like, (laughs) you will be. And I can't take it. And then when he opens up his mouth to show the deadlights, no. I just would have passed out. You would have had me at that point because no. I just would have knew you was going to eat me. But Bev, instead, she's just like in a coma and she's around floating in the air. The losers continue so, to... Oh, go ahead. The only thing that I ever saw from this movie, besides the trailer, was him dancing all it's over Because it media. became a Twitter meme. All over social media. Just over and over again. The losers continue to descend down the well when Henry attacks Mike and sabotages the group who's already down in the well. Mike fights back and ends up pushing Bowers down into the well. Stanley, who already didn't want to come in the goddamn house in the first place, gets separated from the group and dang near eaten by the creepy painting lady, which is actually Pennywise. When the creepy painting lady like lets go of Stanley and like goes back into the sewers and behind the corner, but then just pops back out as Pennywise and pops back in. Why did you do that? <laughs> Cause it's the way, it's the way that he pops back out and goes back in. But whole time you really don't notice it. His hand is on the wall the entire time, but his hand is a claw. It's not even a human hand. It's literally a claw, like the one we saw earlier in the Nebold house, but it doesn't move each time that he weaves into the wall. It's just weird. I'm just, oof. I don't like it, Penny. Stop it. Also, Stanley, baby, calm down. Because he's like, you left me. Y'all did this. You got separated. They did not leave you. They was right there. You were walking in the back. Why would you be walking in the back? Where you can easily get snatched. Why would you do that? Chill out. Good job, Mike, though, for Bowers. Knocking him the hell out. First of all, I was on the edge of my seat when he got that nail gun. But I was like, obviously, this arc is going to come back because his uncle told him earlier, like, or guardian, whoever the fuck it was, was like, all right, there's going to be a point you're going to have to make the decision or somebody going to make it for you. And I was just hoping I knew they weren't going to kill him. But also, I don't know, because this was a whole brand new retelling. Maybe they was going to do that. And Mike was going to come back as a mystical Negro. But I'm glad they didn't do that. Anyway, I was just happy because I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I really thought that Neil was going to go in that little boy head. But bad job for dropping all of this stuff for the gun. I mean, yeah. It's okay. One thing at a time, buddy. Okay, I do got to play sides a little bit. Because even though I said nobody left Stan, Bill does actually end up leaving them. And some of the others end up following when Bill sees Georgie running through the sewers with his woes. 
This leads them to Beverly, who is still catatonic and is restored to consciousness when Ben kisses her. Bev recites the beginning of the poem with Ben finishing it, letting her know that it was his poem. But I don't know if she cares that much because she's like, where's Bill? I was like, damn. But time out again. (laughs) I mean, he was the only one missing from the group. I mean, yes. But also, you just figured out that Ben is the one that wrote your letter and you just like, where's Bill? But also, back to being baby, control your emotions. When they pull Beverly down, why is she like this? Why is she making up? What's wrong with her? <laughs> I was like, he was concerned. Pull it back, babe. Just pull it back. And then when he kissed her, all of the kids' reactions took me out. They was like, oh. And then you just hear Richie ask. He's like, hold on. Wait. He's like, Wow. Right, because I said they all I sound like they all said whoa. <laughs> Bill encounters Georgie but recognizes that he is actually it in disguise. Found out it transforms and gives the kids one more thrill. Pennywise was not playing with these motherfucking kids. They was getting tossed like chicken in the flower bag. I just I said, damn. First of all, Mike, yeah, especially Mike. He tossed him all the way across the room. I said, you do not have to do him like that. Like, I thought he was going to end up dead. Okay. That's, this is the 80s. I don't know what's going to be the title of this episode because I feel like that's a running thing. But this is the 80s. Them kids is tough. These is the same kids that do rock wars. You think them getting tossed against a boat are going to stop them? No. I mean, instant <laughs> spinal damage. I mean, I would think that too. I'm on your side, <laughs> but I'm just saying clearly... These kids is for tough. It takes Bill hostage, offering to spell the others and go into hibernation if they let it feed on Bill. Bill even co-signs telling them to let it be, but Richie ain't going for that rah-rah and the battle ensues. Pennywise, being a clown, charges at Richie, but when Mike hits him, he shifts into the burning black hands. Once Stanley takes a whack at him, he turns into the creeping painting lady and then into a creature who I think, um, you know, it's okay. So like I said, the miniseries was set in the 50s. So a lot of the characters that the kids were scared of was like the Wolfman, this creature from the Black Lagoon, like shit like that, you know? So now since we're in the 80s, they're like, oh, 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 oh my God, I almost forgot that I meant to, I can't believe I almost forgot this. They were gonna do Freddy. Pennywise was going to morph into Freddy. Do you know I would have lost my shit in that goddamn theater? <laughs> I would have been screaming the same way I was screaming when I seen James A. Janice and Chelsea in Screen 5. Like, spoiler alert if you ain't seen it yet, but that's your fault. Like, <sighs> I would have flipped out if I seen him flipping to Freddy. I just, mm, no. Cause, and, that, and that also makes sense as to why, like, Nightmare 5 was at the theater. It was right there. So, like, if he had a change into Freddy, I would have been like, oh, shit. Well, speaking of Freddy, Ben stabs Pennywise through the chest with the pole, just like his Dream Warriors or Jennifer's body, and it transforms into a mummy. At this point, the kids are literally, like I said, they is handing out this ass whooping while overcoming their fears. Look at them. Go, little best friends. I do want to take a second. For those who have not seen It Chapter 2, go ahead and just skip forward 
a few seconds, maybe. John, they take your headphones off. No, actually, you ain't about to watch this movie, girl. You ain't about to watch this movie. Anyway, you guys remember in It Chapter 2 when Eddie goes down into the basement? Obviously, it's adult Eddie. And that like thing comes out of nowhere. We know it's a leper, but it just throws up on him. And we were all like, what the fuck? Like, why did, what was this? And really it was the music cue that really caught us off guard. But we was also like, why is this happening? So upon my rewatch, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize this happened because it happened so fast. So after, you know, when the kids are fighting him, right? It literally looks at Eddie walks over to him, changes into the leopard and just vomits all over little baby Eddie. And it hit me then and there. I was like, that's what that is. Yeah, that was disgusting. Very disgusting. And it's worse because Eddie is a germaphobe and he had to overcome it. And he was so mad. As soon as he got thrown up, well, he stood up and started whooping his ass. I was like, yes, baby Eddie, you go boo. There you guys go. Because I was also trying to figure out when chapter two came out, like what the fuck was happening with that vomit. But then it all clicked. Lastly, after Eddie kicked it, it transforms into Mr. Marsh, which, of course, why would you transform into Mr. Marsh? Beverly just beat his ass in real life. I don't think she's scared of him no more. (laughs) Like, you're going to have to come a little bit harder, Penny. Bill puts it together that it is getting weak since the kids aren't afraid anymore. It is eventually defeated and retreats deeper into the sewers with Bill declaring that it will starve during its hibernation. After the floating kids start coming down, Bill finds the remnants of Georgie's raincoat finally coming to terms with his brother's death, with his friends all comforting him. It's so cute. As the summer ends, Beverly informs the group of a vision she had while catatonic where she saw them fighting it again as adults. The losers swear a blood oath that they will return to Derry as adults if it returns. After the others make their goodbyes and disperse, Beverly and Bill discuss her leaving the next day to live with her aunt in Portland. And before she leaves, Bill reveals his true feeling and Bev leaves him with a kiss and a bloody handprint on his face. But this is the 80s for tough. And that was it yeah i thought that was disgusting so i have a question in chapter two do they touch on what did like what happened to the floating kids like did the parents know about the floating kids so they just floated down to the ground and nobody said anything um okay some of the bodies end up washing up to like the drains. I don't know if all of them did, but they end up finding some of the bodies in part two. Because that was the well house, right? Yes. No, okay. Because I was just like, I was sitting there like, so did they tell anyone that they found all the missing kids? Like, did y'all just go about your day and then say, oh yeah, we found all the kids. Like, that's what I want to see. Well, if you would have did that, then it would have been a lot of explanation because they can't explain Pennywise because it ain't going to come out for another 27 years. So, I mean, yeah. But then they could be like, there's a serial killer on the list. Well, see, here's my theory. My theory is that, well, okay, before all we know it too, take two, not you, but survivors take two out of the equation. My theory is that 
Pennywise was actually trying to, okay, I feel like this can't even be a theory because we kind of know this, but I feel like Pennywise was trying to frame Henry and that's why he had him kill his daddy, kill all of his friends. And if he had to kill the losers as well and everybody know that they all got beef, that mm-hmm. just would have been a perfect setup for him to frame Henry Bowers and they would have been like, oh, he did all of this. Just like the Easter egg explosion, all that stuff that happened in the past, Pennywise is responsible for, but he uses other things to cover them up. So Henry Bowers would have been a scapegoat in this case. He would have been a serial killer in this that case. That's why I said, like, you know, the serial killer thing made sense if they were to explain, like, you know. But I just, like, how did you not just tell anybody that you found all the kids? <laughs> I just I need some closure I mean that's sometimes how it go like when people go missing you don't get that closure like you know how people still be looking for people years and years and years and years and years and like I said like some of the bodies wash up I don't remember if all of them do but I know for a fact some of them do so ratings it chapter one got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 69% on Metacritic, and 84% of Google users liked this movie. Um, so this movie was extremely long. <laughs> extremely long, but it was okay. I didn't really enjoy it till I want to say a third of the way through. yeah a third a third of the way through is when it started to finally like catch my attention um but i gave it 65 tickets how did i know that like how did i know <laughs> like no i literally have that written down like for some reason i just knew like i knew this was not gonna get i knew it wasn't gonna get a 70 and i knew it wasn't gonna get none higher than that like i just knew um as you guys can tell This one was obviously a really fun one for me to watch. I wish I could have went a little deeper into discussion as far as the like reviewing things go. But I still I still will go back. It's on HBO Max. I don't know when they go snatch it. I'll go watch it again. And I might just sit through two just because there are parts of two that I actually really mess with. But I might have to skip through the whole little. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway. I am going to give It Chapter 1 a 95. Wow. I absolutely adored everything about it. And especially because it's a retelling. So you already won with that because it's your own story. That means I don't have to do the whole comparison thing, even though mostly when it comes to remakes and stuff like that, I don't like to do that in the first place unless it was just terrible, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. But yeah. Let's go ahead and step into the souvenir shop. Thanks for writing. Before you go, take a detour into the souvenir shop. If y'all didn't know me any better, y'all knew I was just going to say penny balloons. Balloons, 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 balloons. However, the only thing that concerns me is I don't want the balloons going up into the sky because that's not good. But I also don't just want pop balloon remnants all over my damn park. 
So I don't know how we're gonna fix that situation. But let's run these park announcements. That was a good one. We are full for full with this theme, which means it's time for a new theme. I am excited. I'm always excited for the themes. This is nothing new. But this April thing, I'm super fucking excited. The theme for April is Toy Box Terrors. That means we are going deep into the toy box for this one. Number one, we are doing uh, my top three favorite franchises. We are doing Child's Play 2 from 1990. Dolls 1987, Demonic Toys 1992, Puppet Master 1989, and Annabelle Creation 2017. If you want to see that part guide, you want to see the nice little graphic I put together and worked so hard on, you can go visit any of our social medias. That's D180 Podcast on IG, Twitter, TikTok. And if you want some exclusive goodies, you can hit us up on our Patreon. Like I said, next week, do not miss out. We are jumping off the new theme with Charles Lee right now. We've already talked about Charles, okay? You can go back to like, like episode 16, Love is in the Scare. No, I feel like it's not episode 16, but it doesn't matter. Go back to Love is in the Scare, Bride of Chucky. We talked about him. And if you're on Patreon, I have discussed the entire Chucky series. So if you're into that, you can go check that out there. But other than that, we will see you in April. You'll float too. You'll float too, you'll float too, you'll float too!